I'm Grant Oliphant. This is We Can Be. My guest today is M.A. Alaquiva, a director, Emmy Award-winning producer, arts advocate, and mentor who has heart, talent, and energy to spare. And that's a good thing for all of the rest of us in the world, because he's using that energy to foster other artists through his media production company, Yo Mom's House, and with initiatives like his interactive Black Lives Matter photography exhibit, Optic Voices. He's got an inspiring life story and has worked with artists that include The Roots and some other names that you just may have heard of. He's a living study in positivity, and we are truly happy to have him with us today. M.A. Alaquiva, thank you for joining us. Thank you, my main man, Gio. You know, we've known each other for a while now, and I've gotten to see you in action as a photographer and as a philanthropist, a guy who's generally engaged in civic life. Yes. And it's awesome to be able to sit down and talk with you a little bit more about you and Mm -hmm. what you do and what you're hoping to make happen. Absolutely. It's an honor to be here. I think this is probably one of the first podcasts I've ever been on. So I don't believe uh, that for a minute. It's, it's, but. <laughs> pretty, it's pretty fancy smancy yeah. to be in a room with you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, listen, we got a lot of ground to cover. The challenge actually with you is figuring out which way in because you got <laughs> such an interesting life story. Yeah. But let's start with art itself. How did you even get interested in art to begin with? You know, growing up in Wilkinsburg, I didn't have a lot of opportunity surrounding me. Uh, There weren't a lot of programs that I could get into. My father wasn't really present in the home. And there were a lot of gangs around in my neighborhood that I thought that these were the mentors and these were the sort of good guys because they had all the jewelry, they had all the clothes and the fancy things. So I attempted to sell drugs so that I could try to save up for these things, save up to have lots of money and lots of clothes and things of that nature. And the first time I attempted to sell drugs, I was in Homewood riding my bike. And so a truck rolls up with two individuals, a man on the driver's side, a woman on the passenger side. And he said, hey, listen, do you have anything on you? I want to buy something. So me, you know, thinking I'm a tough gangster, I said, all right, cool. Meet me in a Kentucky Fried Chicken parking lot. When I met him over there, I rode my bike over here. The guy gets out of the truck, comes around the back and sticks a, a gun to my temple and tells me, give me everything you have right now or I'm pretty much going to blow your brains out. So, of course, being 13, terrified, you know, I, of course, I gave him everything I could. And, you know, when he got back in the car, I ran, even leaving my bike there. You know, my first day of selling drugs was my last day of selling drugs. But I had to turn to something because that was not my life. You know, I wasn't going to resort. So I started to listen to hip hop. De La Soul, Tribe Called Quest, Pete Rock, CL Smooth, Rock Him, KRS One, and I began to download what they were talking about, and that was some of my first exposure to the arts and how music could change my life. And the way Special Ed told me that I got it made, the way that KRS One told me that I'm still number one. 
I began to gravitate towards the art as a way to help me get out of my situation and out of my circumstances. You actually formed, uh, or you were in a hip-hop group at one point. Yes, I was in a... uh, Pencils in a Cup? Pencils in a Cup. Me, Achilles Soon, and Roland Matthews, who goes by Super C, we created something that we could escape to, right? Regardless of what was orbiting around us in our neighborhoods on the negative end, we dug into the arts, and the arts spoke to us in a way that nothing else spoke to us. The metaphor of pencils in a cup was we wanted to make our mark inside of the known uncivilized place, which is the cup. A lot of guys don't just walk away from selling drugs. It's a hard thing to do, and yet you and your friends did. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that hard? It's hard when you're hungry. You know, I didn't grow up in a, you know the greatest circumstances, but I love my mom for being a single parent and really trying her very best to do what she needed to do. I appreciate my father, you know, stepping in from time to time, making sure that he provided for me as well. But it was really tough to be in a situation where if your mom's working, you know, at the post office for 12 hours, then when she gets out, she takes one nap and then goes to a bar and then works at the bar until 3, 3.30 in the morning. There's a lot of disconnect that's there. And I believe that one of the hardest jobs in America is to raise a black boy. You know, my mother tried her best, but I still looked at the neighborhood gangsters and drug dealers as my heroes. So, you know, me come in with a T-shirt with holes in it or shoes with the tongues hanging out and holes in the bottom of it. It was hard to see someone with some $125 sneakers on, you know, Jordans. It's tough for the psyche of a young African-American boy growing up trying to be a man, seeing these things and trying to get away from them. But you made that decision and you made that decision with music Mm -hmm. and you've actually said the arts saved your life the arts have really given me the platform to express myself in ways that i never knew that i had a voice i don't come from a family of artists at all i'm probably about one of the only individuals in my family probably both sides of my family who are really involved in the arts. I take great pride in that, and I'm very blessed to be able to have multiple mediums of art, not just music, not just photography, not just cinematography, but a myriad of ways to really express myself and for me to put out light. You know, that's what I'm all about, Grant, is putting out light. Which you radiate in your conversations with people. I mean, you are just one of the most positive human beings I've ever met. And what's fascinating to me about that, you actually went through a period of homelessness. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. I went through a bout of homelessness when my sister, uh, she was diagnosed with HIV AIDS in 94. She was gone in three years. And And she was how old? She was 26. This was a lot to take. She also had two children, two daughters. So I ended up dropping out of high school in order to help take care of the family. But a lot of these emotions were on my shoulders so much 
that I let life get in the way of living. And I rendered myself homeless, literally on the streets of Pittsburgh, sleeping under bridges, sleeping in crevices, you know, going to Jubilee Kitchen and, and going to different shelters. And I was homeless for a year and a half. And I had too much pride to reach out and ask someone for help. Mm. I was in a situation where I thought I was big, bad. I thought I was tough. I thought I could do everything myself. I thought that I can get out of this situation. During that period of time, you weren't telling your mom that, no. you, were, that you were homeless. You Not weren't at telling all. friends that you were... Friends, of, you, oh, I'm okay. Oh, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. What's, what's up? How you been? You been good? Yeah. <laughs> I've been good too. That defensive jauntiness, right? That, uh, right. That, yeah, that pushes people back. And I didn't get out of homelessness until I realized that the only way you're going to get out of this is if you ask for help. Can you describe for us the incident that sort of woke you up? So the moment that really woke me up to say, hey, listen, I am not going to be my circumstance. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I was sleeping by the gray wall across the street from Originals Hot Dog Shop. Of course, you know, you get your fries, you get your ketchup, your extra cheese, whatever the case is. And you kind of go over to the gray wall and sort of hang out, watch traffic go by. So while sleeping there, there was two individuals there. And one of them turned around, not knowing that I was there and spit on me. Mm spit and, and and this wasn't like a a misty spit this was like a hawker yeah. i said nah i have to change my life seriously mm-hmm. i will not be an individual in you know in my early 20s that would just lie here and get spit on so i called my mom i said mom i've been homeless for a year and a half sorry i didn't tell you sorry i wasn't communicating sorry i've been very distant can i sleep on your couch until i figure things out and you know she said Of course you can. You know, like, why are you being big and tough? Mm -hmm. Get here and we'll figure it out. So I slept on my mother's couch. And when she would get company, I would actually run downstairs in the basement and lock myself in a room until her company was gone because I was that embarrassed, you know, to have to call mom Dukes, sleep on her couch because there wasn't a room there and figure things out. But through this humiliating process, I said, God, if you allow me to get on my feet, I'll spend the rest of my life helping others get on theirs, Grant. Mm. And that's what my life is all about today. Whammo 100. Whammo 100. Pittsburgh's home for hip hop. We are are. Whammo 100. It wasn't going to be, though, the last obstacle you encountered on this path back. and. Years later, you had actually managed to find a path into the music industry and Mm -hmm. were working for one of the nation's flagship African-American music radio stations, Mm -hmm. uh, Whammo, here in Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. Then during the recession in 2008, Mm -hmm. they downsized. You got caught up in that. And how was that for you? Did it trigger all those old emotions of, oh, my God, I'm going to be homeless again. I'm losing my dignity again. Wow. We got an email that said that there's a meeting at 4 p.m. on a Friday. So they put uh, me along with like 34 other people in a room. The owner came in and said, hey, listen, all great things must come to an end. It's been an incredible road. We appreciate you all. You guys got 15 minutes to... 15 minutes. 15 minutes to get your things and get off the premises. 
and you will be escorted by private security. How do you pack up seven years in 15 minutes? What does your box look like? So, you know, you don't have time to download any of your favorite commercials, you know, anything that you need for your next gig or to help you get another job. Literally, I got a box and it was one of the most humiliating experiences walking out of that building with with one box, one box that was transformative in a way that, wow. It only takes that one decision for someone else who, who has that type of say over your career and your livelihood in one decision. And it could take 15 minutes to execute it. So there you are. And suddenly you have to figure out what the next act looks like. Mm-hmm. And some people in that moment give up. You know, some people in that moment hunker down and say, I can't take this anymore. I'm just going to go get the next job down the street if I possibly can. Or they fall apart. Mm -hmm. Why didn't that happen with you at that moment? Something said, this is not the end, Ime Alaquiva. This is the beginning of the rest of your life. Mm. So May 5th, 2009 was the beginning of the rest of my life that I live today. And then I jumped off the cliff that I often tell people that we get in our lives. We get sort of like this cliff where we could continue to stand and look over it, or we can jump off and let faith be our parachute. So I jumped off this cliff and I let faith be my parachute by opening a recording studio called Your Mom's House. Mm -hmm. After working at the Shadow Lounge, with Justin Strong, who gave me an opportunity to sweep, do types of odd jobs, cleaning the bathrooms, janitorial work, watching the door and things of that nature. And one day mail got delivered to him that was supposed to go upstairs. So I took this mail upstairs. I looked through a a mail slot and I saw one empty room. And when I looked into that empty room, I seen the potential of putting together a recording studio that could serve the community, something that's affordable, but something that's high quality. I didn't have the greatest credit at the time, so I just rented a bunch of equipment from a place called Pianos and stuff. And I started to get people to come in, and every 90 cents that I made, I put back into the business. So it grew from 300 square feet to 600, 600 to 900. I calculated in my head, I was spending 40 to 60 hours a week working at Whammo. And I said, Imei, what if you put 40 hours a week toward your dream and watch what happened? And that's what I did. I invested in myself and I invested in others and I allowed others to invest in me. And you called it your mom's house. Your mom's house to pay homage to my mother who busted her butt to raise me. Regardless of where you go in the world, there's no place like your mom's house. Mm -hmm. And some of the first discoveries of who we are come from your mom's house. So I wanted to create comfortable and soulful multimedia from down home. So that's why I named it that. That's so great. You are both a a production house um, Mm -hmm. and a photographer and a Mm -hmm. videographer and producer of, of all kinds of media. But you 
also are very active in terms of social issues. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that you've been active on is a living wage. And I'm, I'd just love for you to talk for a minute about why your mom's house cares about that as a social issue. Well, I mean, I think it's important to tackle things that are important to us as, as human beings first, who happen to be in creative spaces. I think sometimes, you know, we tend to focus on who the creator is first, and then who the humanitarian is second. My experiences through life has taught me that webs work when a silk connects. The reason why I am where I am today is because of other people that orbited around me. And human issues and humanitarian issues for social change, that is what matters. And I think that's what separates the fabric of who our company is mm -hmm. versus other companies. You mentioned Hip Hop Unlock a moment ago, um, mm -hmm. which I think is an, another expression of the way in which you use your company to also affect issues beyond the company. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about that effort and why you did it. I wanted to put something together that didn't necessarily take from the community, but gave to the community. And the best way I knew how to give back in order to move forward was to create a program surrounding elements that saved me. You know, let me be the testimony on the qualification on whether this works or not. Mm -hmm. Let me create something for kids. So L-O-C-K stands for Leadership Development, Organizational Skills, Cooperative Economics, and Knowledge of the Music Business. How can I create a 10-week program that essentially allows a cohort of students to put together a record label and write, produce, mix their own songs, do their own photography, shoot their own video, do a throwback in which they throw back their talent in the form of community service. How do I give them something tangible to say, hey, look, Ma, we did this hmm. in learning how to work together. And it just exploded in 2007. You know, we made it a program that was just simply a part of uh, after school program at your mom's house, but it slowly turned into a creative arts program. So we partnered with Propel Schools, and now we're in 11 school districts throughout Western Pennsylvania with over 5,000 graduates. Numbers don't lie. Jay-Z says, check the scoreboard. Numbers don't lie, check the scoreboard. We are continuing today to increase that scoreboard of differences that we need to make in children's lives through the arts. You know, I realize in a way I've skipped ahead, but I, I did it deliberately because I think you never changed through the period of your success, who you are and your core belief in trying to give back and and do right by others. But let's talk a little bit about your success because yeah, we haven't really we haven't really touched on that. Let's and, get it popping. And I mentioned Oprah and Wiz Khalifa at, at the front end. I've got a list here of, of folks sure. that you've known. <laughs> you know, the the roots, Dr. Maya Angelou, Common mm -hmm. you've hung out with. What's all of that like? I mean, talk to us a little bit about how yeah. that suddenly happened. Wow. How this kid from Wilkinsburg yes. goes from being homeless and then out of work a few years later yes. to hanging out with movie stars. So I'm going to dig, I'm going to dig deep. I'm going I'm to take it back. I'm going to press the rewind button on a cassette tape for you. April 19th, 2012. I called someone who was interning under the roots, Quest Love. I hit Ian up and I said, Ian, 
could you sort of check in with the Roots to see if I could possibly maybe film their event coming up? And I'll do it for free. They don't have to pay for anything. He said, Emei, that's a long stretch, but hmm, let me give it a shot. I'll talk to him. So he talks to Amir Questlove, and he emails me back maybe about two weeks later and says, all right, E, check it out. Don't embarrass me, bro, because I tell you what, he says, yes, let's do it. So he had an event called Shuffle Culture to put together artists that would mimic and parallel his iPod on Shuffle. So he got all these artists together at BAM in Brooklyn, New York, and I had like literally no money. So I bought two Megabus tickets for me and uh, my assistant, Jordan Gilliam, at the time. We took the Megabus up overnight. We stayed at the worst, the absolute <laughs> worst hotel that was above a restaurant, roach infested. Oh. The room was probably maybe uh, 100 square feet. It had a community bathroom. It was just disgusting. But we did what we had to do because if I do a great job on this, no telling what doors will open. So I filmed and directed a piece for Shuffle Culture. And on the way back to Pittsburgh, I edited it on the Megabus. On your laptop. On my laptop using iMovie. And I sent it to him. Of course, love of the roots. Another really great experience. Extracurricular event. Never seen anything like it before. We're here for Shuffle Culture. Shuffle Culture is kind of the real life art of um, taking all genres of music and sort of making them one. one, one. Sound of joy is in A couple days later, I heard Quest Love Loves Your Work. That was the email. Quest Love Loves wow. Your Work. However, he doesn't believe you. So when I called, I said, what do you mean he doesn't believe me? He says he thinks that you might have lucked up on maybe doing this edit, but he believes in consistency. So here's what he's going to do. He wants you to direct The Roots Picnic for 2012, but he's not going to pay you anything. If you can get out there and you can direct it, we'll see what we can do later. Just to be clear, the Roots Picnic is The what? Roots Picnic is an annual event where they have all types of artists from all over the world come for a picnic and they perform for an entire day. Literally 21 hours of footage downloaded onto my hard drives and I edited the Roots Picnic 2012 at Denny's on McKnight Road. And then when I sent it to him, he said, all right, I love your work, you're consistent. I want you to do more work for the roots, more work for all types of artists. So if it wasn't for Quest Love really giving me my first breakout shot, yeah. I would not be here today. That's what got me on this podcast. Make some noise. Keep coming alive, Philly. What's going on, You must have had multiple moments like this, but is there one moment that particularly stands out for you where you couldn't believe, I'm here, this is me mm -hmm. doing this? Yeah. Candy Castleberry Singleton commissioned me to direct a piece for Dr. Maya Angelou's school in D.C. Mm. Candy took me down to the event to premiere that video. 
And when Dr. Maya Angelou saw it, she said, who did the video? And she found out that I did the video and we met briefly, but she really couldn't converse. So as she was getting on her tour bus, she said, Candy, I want to invite you to my home. Mm -hmm. Candy flew us down to her home in North Carolina, her giving us a tour of her awards that she couldn't even fit into her house that had to be on the outside, her showing us a Rolls Royce that Tyler Perry purchased for her for one of her birthdays that she never drove <laughs> in her asking what is the proper way to to say your name young man you know what i mean yeah. you know having her just talk to me and being able to film and document such an american icon blew me to pieces wow. that was something that shocked me but it's also something that i'll be able to tell my family for the rest of my life is there anything from her work that you carry with you? Still I Rise resonates mm. with me. I had to convince myself plenty of times through my life that I have the potential to rise and be the most incredible human being I could possibly be without excuses of circumstances, without blaming other people for where I am, without holding other people accountable for my decisions mm. in life, that I could rise. Grant, I could rise and we all could rise. Anyone who's listening to this podcast, whatever situation or whatever circumstances they're faced with, you have the ability to remix your life, to remix your narrative. Right. And there's really no excuses. What you're saying is so powerful. And we live in this era that I think is all about excuses. You know, it's um, and, and there are some really good ones. I mean, horrible ones for why people can't rise. How do you persuade people that no matter how horrible the circumstances are, that they can rise? First of all, I think that we all have the potential to be extraordinary. So when encountering these individuals and when I am out here sort of working, it's all about sharing what we have the potential to do. Hmm. We started a company with maybe two people. I now have over a dozen of my team members through Hip Hop Unlock, Optic Voices, and your mom's house that I share with, you know, and it's all about investing in others and allowing others to invest, to provide that reciprocity of investment. And that's how I try to inspire right. and, and try to not necessarily say, hey, listen, I'm special. Uh-uh. I'm not special. I did make some decisions and I did choose some directions just like I did, you can do the same also. One of the best phrases I ever heard about this is you're special and so is everyone else. Mm -hmm. And it's being able to own that with wisdom mm -hmm. to know the unique ways in which you're special that I think gives people their power mm -hmm. and their faith in Absolutely. some ways. Let's fast forward mm -hmm. to now as um, in terms of the story of your life. And you're now one of four, and I hate that we still count this way, but you're one of four African-Americans on the Pennsylvania Council for the Arts. Yes. So not only do you hang out with celebrities of all kinds, but you actually get to participate in giving away millions of public dollars yes. to support the arts in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious how that feels for you. You, you know, from your days thinking that you had to sell drugs to make money, now you're you're in that seat. What's that like? Humbling. Sometimes it's difficult to find the adjectives to describe what it is because I still can't believe it. Because there are so many incredible individuals in the city of Pittsburgh that could be sitting on that council. So many. 
I, William Peduto, Mayor of the City of Pittsburgh, wish to thank and recognize Ime Aliquiva for your years of selfless service to the people of Pittsburgh. Your story is truly one of inspiration, using your own difficulties and hardships to help and inspire others. Thank you for your continued leadership and dedication to the city of Pittsburgh. I will spend the rest of my life changing others because that's the best investment. Thank you for investing in me. So when I sit on a council and when we're making decisions and things of that nature, I don't think about the dollar amount. I think about the difference that we can make in the arts. I think about the difference that if, you know, there were a lot of arts programs when I was growing up in Wilkinsburg, the difference they would have made in my life. Mm. I need to really help other artists to get to that level of change. So to sit on that council in which Bill Strickland sat on a council, Carol R. Brown sat on a council, Selma Burke, who lived on the Hill District and designed the dime, the dime. Selma Burke was on the council. Hmm. You know, a few of the Hines were on the council. To be sitting on something that has that type of power, I literally need to change lives through the arts, just like the arts change mine. I got it made. I got it made. I got it you may, there's so much more we could talk about, but Absolutely. we don't have time. Know, right? so. We got to do Arnold's tea, though. <laughs> right, yes. Yeah, we got to do we Arnold's We will do tea. that. But <laughs> the name of our podcast is We Can Be. And I always like to end by asking my guest how you would conclude that sentence. What do you think we as a community or state or country or people can be? We could be greater than, we can be more if we go within first or else we would go without. Great. Seriously. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much Thank for you. having me Thanks on this so super much, duper cool, yeah. funky fresh <laughs> podcast. <laughs> you tell stuff. We live in a throwaway society where everything is disposable, including even at times and tragically our fellow human beings. Nowhere is that more evident than our failure to respond to the growing ranks of homeless and addicts on our city's streets. We too easily forget that every one of those people has a story. Few of those stories may end up as happily as Emes, but however they turn out, those stories and the people who hold them deserve our attention. Ime has dedicated himself to helping us see the light inside everyone, the story inside everyone, and to making that light and that story shine as brightly as possible. He makes the world a more joyful place, and in doing so, helps all of us to rise. <laughs>